Hi, I'm Mike Nagrant, and you're listening to Hungry Magazine from Chicago, Illinois. Four, three, two, one more time. Hey there, welcome back for another edition of Hungry Magazine Podcast. For this podcast, I sit down with Randy Zweibin of Province Restaurant in Chicago's West Loop. Randy used to helm the kitchen at National 27, and he's also worked with Norman Van Aken in Miami. Enjoy the interview. Well, you alluded to the fact that you're from New York, mm-hmm. and uh, you know one of the most interesting things that you read in your bio is this idea that you are a diamond center and also a drummer. Uh-huh. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about that. Well, I got out of uh, I graduated college pretty young. I was out of college at 20, and uh, really had no concept of what I wanted to do. And played in garage bands growing up as a drummer, and um, started studying more seriously in my later teens and you know just always had had this want to be in a rock band and play the club scene and do that whole thing and so uh, um, around 19 I started finding you know musicians in New York and uh, 20 I landed in a band and uh, um, I needed to support myself during the day and I had an economics degree which really didn't qualify me to do anything and uh, so uh, my sister at the time was slightly better than English. <laughs> my, my sister at the time was working for a diamond importer in, in New York, and they were opening uh, a branch of um, jewelry. And uh, they offered to train me um, apprentice for like five months, and then to learn the trade, and then and then they would pay me. And it seemed like the best paying opportunity at the time. And, Got to work with my hands, which I always loved doing, and uh, I ended up doing it for about seven years. So you know how to find a good diamond if you ever need one. Who can afford one these days? Um, and then diamonds better be fresh, right? <laughs> and then played in uh, a few different incarnations of a few different bands, but I got to play back at CBGB's in the day, you know, in the early '80s. You know, probably played there about 30, 35 times, and um, all the clubs like around New York City, and back in the days when there was vinyl, and put out, you know, a couple of um, 45s, and uh, it was it was a fun life, and it was a fun time to be in New York during the '80s. Is there a drummer you look up to, or somebody that? you really used to love? Oh, I love, you know, I grew up loving, like, the Stones and Zeppelin and stuff like that, but I always loved Charlie Watts's, you know, simple timekeeping, but, you know, less is more attitude. Right, so there's nothing like the hard driving of Bonham. Oh, no doubt about it, no doubt about it. So, the other other interesting thing, of course, is that you spent a lot of time with Norman Van Aken, you know, who's in his own right sort of a legend these days. Absolutely. You know, I think it would say one of the interesting things is that, you know, Charlie Trotter off credits Norman as a mentor, which is, you know, that's a you know that's a big thing to say. So you know what, what what's that like? What's that like working for Norman? Well, I got a chance to. I moved down to Miami in '89. And um, it was a really exciting time in Miami because it was right as South Beach really started to sort of get built. Um, when I moved there in 1989, Ocean Drive was just getting widened, and um, it was originally just one lane in both directions. And there was four restaurants on Ocean Drive. Um, I think there's you know 40 now. And uh, um, it was also at a time where sort of Norman's New World Cuisine and a few other chefs were sort of putting putting Miami on the map culinary-wise. And uh, so it was a really exciting time. I started out, um, we were in a boutique hotel on Ocean Drive, and we had a uh, cafe there, Stars and Stripes Cafe. Um, I got hired as a line cook and 
I quickly moved into a sous chef role there. Was there in the cafe for about a year, and we opened up a fine dining restaurant on the other side of the lobby of the hotel, and moved over there about after a year, and um, worked myself up from uh, a line cook there to sous chef, and then to chef de cuisine in that restaurant. And then uh, after about three and a half years, we both left the hotel um, at the same time, and Norma went off to write a cookbook. I moved to Los Angeles and was a chef of a supper club out there for a year, and then um, he got the opportunity to get the space that became Norman's, and uh, I moved back to uh, um, Florida, and uh, I opened that with him, and it was a chef de cuisine and his partner there for about four years. So did, did Trotter apprentice there at all, or did he come through there? When Charlie Trotter worked with Norman at a place called Sinclair's, which Gordon Sinclair owned, which was up in, I believe, Lake Forest. Yeah, yeah. And he hired Norman as the opening chef, and Carrie Nahabedian worked there. Um, there's another woman, I forget her name. So there was a bunch of horrible chefs in that kitchen. <laughs> Charlie worked there, and uh, yeah, there was, you know, it sounded like, you know, one of those, like, all-star lineups. I you know, know, if so. you could be a fly on the wall or Absolutely. all the stories, you probably Absolutely. Um, one of the things is, you know, you were there, what, for like seven years in my I, I was, yeah, I was with Norman for about seven and a half years. And, of course, career. you were with National 27 for 10. For 10, yeah. So you're kind of like a serial monogamist as far as cooking goes, which is rare in this industry. It is kind of rare. You know, I I was lucky with Norman because I got an opportunity to grow, and I really credit him with sort of giving me my palette as far as how I cook and how I approach food and how I think about food and how I put it together and then you know I worked with Rich Melman for 10 years and I you know he's really helped shape me business wise and how I think about costs and how I think about putting something together and taking something brand new and turning it into something you know so um, I've, I've had two great mentors in this business and you know I hope that uh I hope that's going to get me going on my own thing here. Well, the other interesting thing about that is that you've been very deliberate along the way, and you've kind of gained this sort of body of knowledge, whereas it seems like the tendency, tendency in the industry today is I want it now and I want it fast. And so you get all these 27-year-olds who are, like, opening places and uh-huh. burning out quick. And, you know, I wonder how, how does that, you know, for you, do you think that it gives you a leg up? Do you think it does something for you that you, you've, you've sort of accrued the experience? How, how does it opening uh, for something something? like that differ maybe for you or do you think it gives you something um you know i think i think everybody's different in, in how they want to proceed in life and how fast or not they want to move and um i'm a very deliberate person and i think things through maybe maybe too far through sometimes but i think that it's given me the ability to become well-rounded not only as a chef but as a manager and as uh, an entrepreneur and it's been invaluable going into this because you know I can make value judgments that I might not have had the knowledge to do and doing a brand new construction I mean it was such an amazing learning experience to to go through that whole process I think I think for me I'm glad that I have the experience that I've had, and it also gives me the ability to bring some young people on board to be my staff here, and I think that uh, it helps me be able to be a mentor to them. So we're in 161 North Jefferson, which, you know, is 
it's funny, like, this whole area is kind of becoming, like, the Randolph Strip, like, uh-huh. perpendicular. It's kind of, you know, it's at sepia down the street, and, you know, it's, you you just, you have all these all these places opening right up in this corridor. What, what's really, um, I don't know, attractive about this area, or what's... Well, we're two and a half blocks um, from the loop, you know, um, which, which is really attractive, because it gives us the ability to be able to do lunch which is there's not a lot of areas unless you're right in the loop to do lunch in the city and then if you're in the loop you can't do dinner because it's very difficult to draw people down there for dinner um so i think right around here we get the best of both worlds because we've got great residential we've got a lot of business we've got the highway two two blocks away from here we've got a train stop right at the end of the block and so it's a really easy place to get to I think this area is also... Yeah, powerhouses down the street. Powerhouses down the street. There's an Italian place right down the block. Um, you know, we've got a lot of residential, but it's kind of a mixed-use neighborhood, which is great. you got all this people talking about the bailout and all of this, you know. Is this a tougher time to open a restaurant right now? Are you worried about that? How do you think about it? You know, there's never a right time in life for anything, and you can always find something in life to say it's not a right time to buy a house, it's not a right time to have a child, it's not a right time to buy the dog. Um, And um, I seem to have picked maybe the worst moment in the last 150 years to possibly open a new restaurant. But you know what? At the end of the day, people still have to eat, and if things do go sour, we're still going to have to laugh and congregate somewhere. So... um, Right now, I'm so wrapped up in my little tiny corner of the world here. Um, we'll, we'll all figure out a way to get get ourselves moving forward in the near future. I know that. Um, yeah, you know, my theory is that like that people always talk about like the high failure rates, but that's because so many people go into it not knowing what they're doing. But if you maximize your chances of succeeding, you're a lot better off. A lot of you know, I, I believe that. I don't know if it's true, but <laughs> you know, Norman Van Aken was always fond of saying that uh, you know if if the restaurant business wasn't a good business and it wasn't profitable, then why is there one on every corner? So uh, um, it's you know our. our our bottom line and our profitability is, is a very precious small percentage compared to a lot of other businesses, but the better you can operate it, uh, the more profit you can make at it. So I'm curious about, I mean, you know, you had a good job and you had a good mentorship, and I know that you left Lettuce on really good terms when you were at Nationale. Um, the, I guess the idea, and, you know, maybe if, tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but the idea is, you you know, this gives you an opportunity to finally be you in every way that you want to be, or this gives you a way to break out of the box or do some things. And I, and I guess, what I wonder what that means for you. Like, what is it that you, you're really going to be able to do here that, that you've wanted to do that's kind of your vision completely, so to speak? Uh, um, first, at, at National, I was sort of locked in this culinary box of just being completely Latin. Um, and cooking with Norman, you know, I was locked in this box of New World cuisine. And here, I have the opportunity to use the influences of the food that I've been cooking for 20 years, which is South America, Central America, and Spain, and cook American food with those influences. And I kind of tell people, you know, when you look at people doing modern American food these days, you know, everybody has, whether it's a Mediterranean, French, Italian, Asian influence to what they do, um, mine just happens to be South America and Spain. And so it gives me an opportunity to, to cook what I want and how I want and um, where there is no box around me to do it. And The other exciting part about it, though, too, is that 
um, the older I've gotten and the more experience that I've gotten, the simpler I've wanted to do things, and it gives me an opportunity to do that as well. So, I mean, I've looked at the menu and I've you know seen a lot of really good things on there. I, is there a dish you, you think is most emblematic of, of that um, idea? I wouldn't say that there's a dish. Um, a lot of a lot of what the menu means to me and what this place means to me is is a little bit of like what a a seasonal San Francisco cafe is in, in a way where it's it's representative of of what's at our Green City Market at that time of year. It's representative of a lot of the farmers that we have here in the Midwest, and it's representative of a lot of the, the flavors that I like to go along with that. One of the things I'm struck by you, and, and you know, I know Adam Seeger really well, who, who is your general manager at National, and he worked alongside you. And, you know, one of the things Adam said to me about you was this idea that you know what, all the other places he had been, there was always sort of a tension between the front of the house and the back of the house. But when he met you, you were kind of, you were really open about that connection. And, you know, you he says, you know, the quote is, I think you kind of gave him the keys to the walk-in, so to speak. And you were like sort of a big partner about saying, you know, what's mine is yours. And, you know, that really kind of allowed him to blossom into the mixologist that he was. And, yeah, I wonder where that comes from. I mean, it makes sense, but, you know, not a lot of chefs do that or they, you know, and it, it's such a, I don't know, it's such a good thing or it's an interesting thing. How, how, how do you come to that kind of collaboration or the, the confidence to have give somebody that, that freedom. Well, I think I think at the end of the day, the dining experience comes from so many different aspects of what happens during the course of your meal. I always tell staff when I train them that there's about eight things that occur before somebody actually gets to put a piece of food in their mouth. And, you know, from calling and making a reservation to showing up and maybe dealing with the valet to seeing the hostess maybe going to the bar and dealing with the bartender having a drink going to a table with a cedar having a busboy pour water have a waiter talk to them then and only then are they going to maybe put something in their mouth and if one or two of those things go wrong on the way there the food's not going to taste as good as it might if all of those things went really well. So without a team to collaborate and do that, you can be, you know, Fernandria and, you know, Thomas Keller all rolled into one, and you, you might be a no-star restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> and so at the end of the day, you need the collaboration and you need the teamwork to be able to do it. And I guess my confidence level is at this point I'm confident in my ability as a chef, but um, I need to help bring out the best in other people to get where I want to go. So there's some beautiful photography surrounding us. Is it your girlfriend? Is that right? Lori Prophet, who is a food photographer, has been my... uh, We've we've lived together for uh, eight years, and uh, so a lot of the... uh, a lot of the elements are things from our great city market that she took over the Beautiful. course of the summer. Great, great photos. Thank you. you yeah. live, do you live in River North? Is that right? I live or in uh, uh, West Town. West Town. Yeah. Um, if I were coming to West Town, where, where would you t- where would you send me to eat? Um, there's a uh, um, Green Zebra's like a couple blocks from my house, which is just out of control. Awesome. There's uh, some great little taquerias over in our neighborhood. There's a cool little uh, Italian place, Natalino's, that, that's old school that just opened up. The guys from, from Mr. Beef. And As in the rumor, like, they shot out the windows or something because <laughs> they stole the chef or something like that. <laughs> they, uh, and their staff is just super nice. And it's just a, a great neighborhood place. And uh, um, there's also all those 
cool old school Italian places on Grand Avenue. Cherry Bari, yeah, absolutely. Uh, May Street Market's very cool. Also, they do a great job at what they do. So it's a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, it's a good little spot actually. Absolutely. When you think about it, you got West Town Tavern over there. West too. Town Tavern's not too far away, which is great. Makes so. me want to move. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's you know it's it's really changed over the last seven eight years the neighborhood, and I think it's only becoming you know more of a, a neighborhood. So I think I read what something you said is that like when you entertain, you like to cook lots of appetizers because it allows you to eat a lot of a little or a uh-huh. little of a lot. You know, I, I, I love dining that way. I think it's a fun way to dine. Do you do a lot of entertaining at home? You know, it was funny going through this process, um, and um, it's been five months since I left SNL, and uh, so I had some free evenings for a little while when we started construction, and uh, it was fun being able to go to the market and cook and, and do that, and especially we had such a nice summer this year, and be able to actually see how the other half left right. <laughs> for a little right. bit. So. <laughs> Friday off. <laughs> it was strange being out like on a weekend night. So, uh, but we took advantage and, and it was fun. So, it's over now. I'm curious about this. I mean, the one thing is that you look at the menu and you got a hamburger on the menu. Uh huh. It's the only thing, and it, you know, it's. I, I wonder about that decision. You know, I'm not trying to I've say that. Ro- or I've it's got a wrong. rotisserie chicken on the menu too, and I've got a Caesar salad on the menu, and I've got oysters on the half shell on the menu, and those were really, really conscious points for me on the menu to make the restaurant approachable and um, make it someplace where if four people are interested in going someplace, there's not one person who's going to say, I don't want Latin or I don't want this or I don't want that. I wanted to make myself accessible to a group of people. And and I, I'm going to do a burger, but... I'm hopefully going to do a great burger, you know, and, you know, we're going to do a great natural chicken in the rotisserie, you know, and we're going to make it a fun dish. So um, that's part of the way I like to eat, and it was part of the way I wanted to approach this restaurant. Do you see it at all as, like, sort of like a gateway drug? You're like, here, I'll give you this, but then that's going to let me, like, hook you up with some really interesting Spanish-influenced American food that you would maybe wouldn't try? Is there anything? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and, and it's part of, like, the sensibility that I've seen in a lot of San Francisco cafes where, you know, you can get that cool pasta dish, but you can also, and get a great pizza, but you could also get, you know, marrow bones, and you could get, you know... Yeah, you think of like Zuni Cafe. Like a Zuni Cafe, and I mean, there's there's so many that are within that sort of style, you know, out there, but Zuni Cafe is definitely that that sort of mentality, and, and I think it's, it's a formula for success, because they make themselves approachable. One of the criticisms of, like, the idea of, you know, fusion or pan Latino or any fusion or pan whatever cooking is that, you know, there can be confusion with ingredients, and you've, you seem to be, you do it, do it really well. Thank you. And I, and I wonder what the, how do you think of that, like, what's the, is there a line for you? Is there, are there some rules or something that you think about in terms of melding these flavors where they don't go crazy or where they... Absolutely, and, and I think it's a little bit of it is is the respect for the ingredients themselves and not pulling things from all over the map and combining them into one thing um, and taking elements and adding adding them to a dish to enhance it. Like, 
For example, me using a mojo as a sauce is no different than an Italian chef using a vinaigrette or a French chef using a vinaigrette or an Italian chef using something that's sort of indigenous as a sauce to an American dish. And so I think if it's done without it being, you know, the combination of, you know, um, Asian, Spanish, French, and Italian all on one plate at the same time, I think that if you respect the ingredients and ex- respect the source of it, sometimes I like to take things that are traditional as a dish and sort of reinvent them for the American palate, and then sometimes I like to take those indigenous ingredients and then introduce them to something that's strictly American. Do you, do you still have a drum set? Um, I have some practice pads at home, yeah. and uh, uh, but I don't have a kit. Yeah. You ever get like the itch, or you want to be like get the Absolutely. band back together? Absolutely. It's a, you know it's funny because um, I was uh, looking on Google for an article that had been written that I hadn't seen about the restaurant, and when I Googled Province, actually my name came up, and then it sent me to a guy's. Um, uh, I think it's a Facebook page or, or a MySpace page of a guy I used to play in a band with 20 years ago, and it was it was pretty wild. That's to, pretty cool. uh, Over 20 years ago, it was 25 years ago, and uh, he actually had some of our music on online that oh, nice, it was nice. wild. So. Some videos of CBGB days. <laughs> it, was, it was it was just the audio, but yeah, it was pretty funny. Do you get back to New York at all? Not as much as I used to. Uh, my, my parents uh, moved them out to Arizona about uh, two and a half years ago, so I used to get back there like three, four times a year when they, they were living there. But now I, I get there about uh, once to two times. But uh, are, there, are there places you long for as sort of a taste at home for you? Like, do you go get a knish somewhere? Or like, what do you, where do you go? John's Pizza down, you know. Um, there's also another pizza place called Two Boots, which is in the East Village, which does these um, really cool... Uh, um, it's uh, sort of uh, Cajun-inspired pizzas, I mean, and, and but it's really fantastic. But um, there's a lot of restaurants that I've fallen in love with in New York over the years, you know. Uh, Union Square Cafe is, is one of them. I mean, pretty much anything Danny Meyer has touched has always been an amazing restaurant. And uh, Again, you know, it's like you, there's always a connection of a lot of musicians cook. Um, is there anything about being a drummer that, you know, you relate to the way you cook or... Is, you know, is that just something I'm, you know, pulling out? <laughs> you know? I think it's, it's just a matter of the create, creative process. And I, th- I think, you know, there's a lot of people in our industry who are artists in very different ways, whether it's painting or music or dance or whatever. And I think it's 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 a form of expression to, to do what we do as restaurateurs and as chefs. And so, um, you know... My art's immediate on a plate and um, versus somebody who paints a picture. And, you know, I get a chance to go do something brand new and create something brand new every single day, which is, which is exciting. And I think, you know, once you have some sort of artistic outlet in your life, you want to find it in every other aspect of what you do. It's like you writing and doing what you do. You, you probably find artistic, you know, outlets in the things that you do for pleasure. Yeah, and cooking. Actually, I mean, I when I write something, I, I don't tend to sit down and like think it through. I, I tend to go cook something and think it through while I'm cooking, and then come back to the writing, and then it you know comes out a lot easier. So Very that's, cool. You know, it's, which is one of the ways I operate. Uh huh. 
Well, thanks for doing this. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to this edition of Hungry Magazine Podcasts. If you have any questions or you have any comments, please drop me a line at mjnagran at hungrymag.com. We'll see you next time, and in the meantime, stay hungry. Three, two, one more time.